close encounters of the third kind, actual contact. To me, it looked like a leprechaun to me. All I gotta do is look up in the tree. Who else in the leprechaun say yeah? yeah! The Sasquatch was approximately eight to ten feet tall. It looked very human-like, but it definitely wasn't a human. After seven years of research, I am more convinced than ever that the creature known as Nessie is a real, living animal. Others find it hard to believe and have come up with their own theories and explanations. Could be a crackhead that got hold to the wrong stuff. Welcome to Mysteriousnesses, episode number 10. I am John J. Murray, and with me, as always, Lauren Lance and Endless Mike Lance. Jared Walker has decided to grace us with his presence. Hi. His glorious benevolence. I'm writing an autobiography, not an autobiography, but a biography Just a biography. (laughs) It'd be better if you wrote an autobiography about Jared. Yeah. (laughs) That way you could get more liberal with the details. Yeah. Don't call me a liberal. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Welcome to Mysteriousnesses. Thank you guys for tuning in once again. Uh, We have a great show. Lined up for you, we're going to be talking about uh, ancient lost cities in our feature segment. And Schadenfreude. And what? Wait, what? Isn't that like German ghosts? No, Unschadenfreude. Yeah, I don't think we're going to be talking about nope, German ghosts. we're not going to be talking about that. Oh, I thought mm. we were talking. No, we're talking about other stuff. <laughs> yeah, thanks, know, Jared. Uh, what do you believe in? Uh, what? <laughs> thanks, Jared. Thanks, Jared. I don't know the name of our segment. <laughs> Off to a good start here. Yeah, okay. Why content. did you make me content provider? <laughs> <laughs> right now, we're going to do the uh, 10 best weird tech products of 2016. All right. Uh, number one, the Foldoscope. Okay. What? Continuing the environmentally aware theme, Foldoscope <laughs> is a portable and versatile microscope that just happens to be made mostly out of paper. Despite its humble beginnings, its magnification and resolution is sufficient for imaging live individual cells, embryos, swimming bacteria, and much more. Oh, that's actually pretty impressive. That yeah, you really can carry cool. a microscope around in your pocket if you want to check out some sciencey stuff, if you're, you know, a nerd or whatever. My only problem with this is in the pictures, everyone's holding it up just to the sky. Well, they, yeah, that's you- the light source. Yeah, you got to have the sun as the light source. So, so what they're is doing is they're taking between. Yeah, they're yeah. taking a drop and they're putting it in there, uh, and then they're holding it up to the light. They're, yeah. they're not all viewing a solar eclipse, Lauren. Oh, okay. It does kind of look like they're viewing an eclipse. That's what it looks like. I'll see a really stupid looks on their face. Yeah, they're all mouths are all. Well, gay. They're, they're all amazed at the microscopic universe. I fucking guess so. I wonder how expensive this is. That guy's like, ooh, that's my cum. The one on the bottom. <laughs> the one on the bottom left is, looks like he's dressed like Waldo. That is true. All yeah. right, next thing on the list, the drummy. Okay. 2016 was quite the year for un- unusual tweaks to familiar chores. Oh, I've heard of this product. The drummy is a foot-powered washing machine that uses minimal amounts of water and no electricity. Hmm. That makes it ideal for small places and the climate conscious amongst us. It only takes about 5 to 10 minutes per load, using 80% less water than a standard washing machine. Oh, that's the same as mine. Are you a Japanese businessman on the go or a single divorcee father? <laughs> the drummy. Do you have a hideout in the woods? <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want one of these. That's cool. That is, it actually, you know what? This is really cool. I like it for the eco-consciousness of well, it. Well, it's also cool if you like if if you're in the third world and you live in like a village that has sporadic electricity. Yeah. You can or none. wash your clothes yeah, or like, none at all. Yeah. If you live yeah. in like Liberia or something. Yeah, I think No, actually yeah, it's about the size it's a it's a product is about the size of like a trash can. Like a yeah, like a regular like a regular fishing bucket. I, don't know how, I guess it's not that heavy. 
Uh, no, it, the products in there are, or the parts in there are uh, pretty minimal. It's just like got a foot pedal and like a, a spinny brush thing in the middle. Hmm. And yeah, and you get exercise plastic. while you do it. That's so if true. you do that for 10 minutes, yeah. I mean, you're going to. But you need to switch feet. Or you're, you're going to do get one, load. one big leg. Yeah. One like, load with so the right like, leg. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's like half a Stairmaster. Yeah, because you don't want to get one giant left one leg. One giant leg looks weird, you guys. <laughs> well, I mean, Just get um, two of them, and then it will be a Stairmaster. <laughs> unless you're that guy in uh, Lady in the Water. Yeah, if you want to work out just one side of Great your body Great movie, by science. the way. If you want to save a nymph. Totally underrated. It is underrated. Uh, number eight on the list is the Livia. Menstrual pain is an issue for most women on a regular basis. Livia means they don't have to worry about taking painkillers to ease their suffering. Mm -hmm. It's marketed as an off switch for such pain, effectively shocking away cramps. What? So you're going to shock your menstrual cycle with electricity. It works uh, by stimulating the nerves, blocking the pain from passing to the brain, closing the pain gates. It sounds unlikely, but it's gleaned some great results for many. A pain-free life is always welcome. So it's electroshock therapy for your uterus? Yeah, uh, it's, well, it's it's for, you know, female hysteria. That sounds that, more like you know, It sounds like something that would be for that. No, it's, I don't want anything to do with this. It's an iPod that you plug oh, okay. in okay. to force menopause. No, I see what it is. See, it's got a tiny little retractable needle on one side. You just jam no, it into it your doesn't. eye. Yeah, no, it does it, not. It does not. It doesn't hurt, though. Either way, though, I prefer the lo-fi version of this, which is just drinking an entire bottle of wine. Just drink wine and sit in the tub and yeah. bleed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> bleed. Drink wine, eat chocolate. Bleed in the tub. Cry. Yeah, we know how to be ladies. Yeah. <laughs> you All guys right. make great ladies. Prepped pack. Uh, Reimagining the lunchbox doesn't sound that unusual, but prepped pack really does change things up. It's a case of the houses that houses of a, a modular system of containers and smart magnetic cutlery. Each compartment provides a place for different parts of your daily needs. A bundled app further extends the potential by encouraging you to follow... Set recipe plans that also slot in perfectly. It's perfect for the organized person, especially if they're working on keeping healthy. Isn't that what that guy had like in, just a in Grandma's Boy? <laughs> it just sounds like a bento box with an app. It's for a bento box with, with the, yeah, with an. With the, it's for people that are taking their lunch way too seriously. Yeah, you're thinking way too much about this shit. Just go to the diner, order a salad, you'll be fine. Go to yep. Taco Bell. Yeah, I'm looking at a picture of it. It it really is just a bento box. Yeah, with an app though. Yeah, does it's a bento kinda, box come with an app, Jared? Uh, fuck you. It's a, oh, it's All also right. got like a little sleeve that you can hold your utensils in, including chopsticks or a knife, fork. Which is a set. bento box. If you're I a really, barbarian, yeah, like I, I pretty much want at this point, I want everything that I own to have an app. Yeah, yeah. That way, because I don't want to really manage it. I want my phone yeah. to manage it. No, this uh, this one isn't as cool because it, it really. I'm looking at at the picture of the inside of it, and it really is. It's just little plastic containers and various sizes you can pull out and put in depending on what kind of serving app? sizes you want a toilet so you can flush the toilet when you're not there or just makes the yeah. sound of it <gasps> that would be great for pranks though you could convince someone <laughs> that their house is haunted by flushing the i think they have that they have those uh those apps that like control your whole house with like the oh, temperature the and the lights i don't know if it controls the toilet because it can, <laughs> it can open and close the garage door john you can't flush a toilet well you get one of those japanese toilets well, yeah, those are connected to the internet. Yeah, they tell they tell Twitter how smelly your poop is. Yeah, well, they they tell it how buoyant it is. <laughs> All right, this one's called Dolphy. Uh, washing clothes has evolved over time, but never quite as dra drastically in the case of Dolphy, a hand-sized device that cleans your clothes with the power of ultrasonic technology, ensuring it sounds 
distinctly futuristic. It's ideal for hand-wash-only garments, gently cleaning your clothes while still being thorough. Portable, you can take it wherever you go, proving ideal for regular travels. Travelers, simply put everything into a waterproof container, and Dolphy does the rest. Yep, it'll feel like strange magic. So I don't. What is so? This thing just just sprays ultrasonic ultrasonic waves on your clothes. That's weird. Yeah, I don't understand. Dangerous. So you put it in a bag with your clothes, and Mm -hmm. then it just cleans everything. It just buzzes around in there, and I don't know. That is very futuristic. If it works, it sounds like bullshit to me. It's like. I'm gonna throw away, like yeah, ultrasonic waves. Yeah, the problem is if you waves. don't put it in a bag, it just tries to clean the world. <laughs> okay, so on that uh, picture you were seeing, the suitcase-looking thing is not the dolphy. It's just the little. It's brown. the little egg-looking. No, thing. I know that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm just explaining for. Well, you're gonna put this up, right? Yeah, I'm gonna put this in the show yeah, notes. Yeah. So uh, when the people look at that, they'll be they won't be confused. Like, yeah, I it's am. that little egg thing. So you put. I guess. I mean. I mean, that's pretty good if you're you know on the road. You need to clean a shirt real quick. Yeah. They'll do it. Thanks, Dolphy. Thanks, yeah. Dolphy. I don't know. Uh, I, li- I like the idea of this one, uh, the Anova Precision Cooker. Okay. The Anova Precision Cooker is the kitchen tool you never knew you needed. It allows you to cook sous vide, which means restaurant-quality results. The real beauty behind it is you're able to control it through your iOS or Android device, meaning you don't have to stress over timings and being too accurate. Consistent results mean tender and moist food every time. It's kind of a quirky concept as it involves putting food in a Ziploc bag to cook, but it'll revolutionize your cooking style. Sous vide does not mean literally restaurant quality results. Sous vide means that you put it in an airtight plastic bag and you boil it, essentially. Yeah. That's what that is. That's what that actually is. But it's, it's providing, sous vide means it's providing consistent temperature the entire time yeah. around the entire thing. So it just makes it easier to figure out how to do that. So yeah, I know a lot of people that cook steaks this way, mm-hmm. where they you know they just put it in the water and then they cook it to the perfect medium rare, and then they just throw it on the grill and then put a sear on it. Yeah, which I've heard is fucking amazing. And it's supposed to be sure, the best way to eat steak. I don't know. So that that sounds pretty cool. If that's like something cheap that you could just hook up to a bag, yeah, and then hmm. cook your food. Uh, well, so how it works is uh, looking at this thing is it's like a stick, basically. It's like a big. Uh, pole, basically. Yeah, that you heat the water with. And then you put it into a big tub of water, and then you put the device, uh, not the, the food that you want, in a plastic bag in the water. Yeah. Where it doesn't look like it's attached to the pole at all. You just They're just both in the water at the same time. Right, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you would you would basically, like, like, if you wanted to do, like, a pot roast or something, you could put, like, carrots and potatoes in with your pot roast in the bag, and then it'll all cook together. Yeah, so basically what it's, what it's doing is it's just, it's an electronic... Temperature setter that just knows when it's changing temperature and adjusts yeah. Yeah. automatically. And then, yeah. well, but then it turns it off immediately. Yeah, when, when it gets done. Yeah. You know? on the stove, you're gonna probably mess that it, up. Or it's, it's not yeah, gonna be exact. It's basically just a right. bunch of things rolled into one. This yeah. next one, I'm really fucking excited about. They, well, they also have uh, sous vide machines. Um, there's the most interesting one I've seen, which is obviously gonna be more expensive than this one. But I saw one. It was basically uh, just a tank of water. It looked like a little aquarium that went on your uh, kitchen counter, and you would just you. It had an app for it too, so you would basically just put whatever you wanted to cook in there in the morning, and it actually had temperature control, so it would keep it refrigerated in the water all day ah, until I like that. 
until the time that you wanted it to start cooking, or basically when you wanted it to finish cooking. So you say, okay, I get home at 6.30, I want these steaks done at 6.45. Mm-hmm. So it just does everything for you, and then it's just done. That's awesome. I but like that's it. way more expensive oh, than I'm this sure. thing. Yeah, oh, sure. 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 I just I can't wait until they get to the point where it's like a big rice cooker, basically. You just put a bag of meat in the rice cooker with the water, and then it just all does it. Why don't we? No, that's what, that's what this thing is. You could put oh, okay. several different. You could put several bags. They have ones that have multiple chambers. Oh, okay. And then so it would cook the entire meal. Why well, don't we just I'm, get a I robot mean, as expensive slave. as a rice cooker. Oh yeah, that's not that's yeah. not here now. I just I can't wait till there's like replicators. Mm-hmm. Where I just go ice cream, <laughs> and then it just makes me ice cream. Oh, but then yes. the replicators, if when we get to that mm, point, the like replicators nanobots. are like your doctor said, no ice cream. Yeah, I think we went over this last episode. Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> no, we d- talked about this in the car. Oh okay. <laughs> 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 okay, I, I was gonna say I swear I heard you say that before. Yeah, we, we right. did. <laughs> Uh, number four is the Flow Hive. Yes. Huge fans of honey and willing to put your money where your sugar-loving mouth is, uh, Flow Hive was the strange gadget for you in 2016. It made, it made it simple to harvest pure honey directly from a hive, avoiding mess, fuss, and reducing the disturbance for the bees. Okay, so it's a niche gadget, but it's the ideal thing for people who have always wanted to get into beekeeping but wanted a simpler way of doing so. See, I think that'd be great. So basically, I don't want to yeah, fuck with the bees too much. This is, yeah, this is a beehive. That basically uh, takes care of itself and then has a tap for the honey. Yes. So you basically just tap it like beer and it comes right out. So you're not like, you know, you don't have to put on the bee suit or yeah, anything crazy any like that. Yeah. Shit. That's uh, that's the only, that's the main deterrent for beekeeping for me is it's having bees? a bee suit. Well, <laughs> bee, it's bees and the bee suit. Yeah. yeah. Those are the two main deterrents. Yeah. Putting on a bee suit and then fucking around with bees. Yeah. So you would actually buy this if you had the money. I would fucking buy this. Well, There's honey no like- isn't just for your sweet tooth. Honey is fucking great for you in yeah, just it's about good for every you. way. Thanks. Yeah. Also, I felt really bees are totally cool. That's taking the honey. Like a lot of people are like, how can we take the honey from bees? They that's their honey. They don't want it. It's right, you know what? we're not we're not giving more. insects rights. Sorry. I, yeah. No, but it, it's doing that. the honey is waste product for bees. They don't want it. They want us to take it. I don't think they can do much with it. They no, no they it's, don't do it's not with it's it. nothing. It's it's literal waste product for them. Uh, they they get the uh, They use it to stick their houses. The jelly. Oh. No, that's royal jelly. No, that's, that's the jelly. Thing. The what jelly is, is oh, what the they jelly use. Jelly is what they use. Okay. Yeah, when they make the jelly, the honey's a byproduct that gets made along with it. That's all just they just they just pool it up in those containers. To get it out of the way, because they don't know what else to do so with it. So the larvae yeah, they couldn't carry it out. The larvae don't eat the honey; they no, eat the royal jelly. They eat the they jelly. Eat the royal jelly, ah. yeah. yeah. They use royal jelly for just about everything. I wonder what that tastes like. Bad. It doesn't taste good. Uh. What I'm told. Yeah, yeah. Just stick with the honey. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. that's why we don't have royal jelly and not honey. Well, it sounds fancier. <laughs> Are you into bird watching, but no. very very lazy? No. Uh, many homeowners uh, yes to like one of those. <laughs> I'm lazy. <laughs> many homeowners like to see birds visit their garden. Bird photo booth made it even easier to witness such events unfold. It's a bird feeder that also works as a wireless 4K motion-activated camera. Oh, my mom would love this. <laughs> Anytime a bird visits, you can remotely watch and photograph their activities, giving you some great insight into what birds visit your home. Oh, she would be all over this. All right, well, here's your Christmas gift for next yeah, year. Yeah, I gotta definitely get her this. Or her birthday, yeah. <laughs> no, she, she on uh, Thanksgiving... I was about to leave, and she made me stand by the window for an hour and a half watching an owl getting ready to take off. She said, no, don't go yet. He's going to take yeah, off Yeah, no, that was exactly what happened. <laughs> instead, he just shit. And, no, instead, he just he just stood there and like crept slowly closer to the edge of the uh, 
pole he was sitting on. <laughs> so your mom is into birds. Okay, oh, here's yeah. uh, number two. I think this is a great idea. Uh, this is Fend. It's uh, basically a folding bicycle helmet. I'm not getting That's you another cool. bicycle helmet, John. No, I mean, the one you got me is good, and it's very expensive, so I don't want to get rid of that one. But this one, is, this one's probably even more expensive because it folds up and can just like fit in your backpack very easily. It folds up also, into a gun. It yeah, folds into a <laughs> rifle. Uh, no. Uh, but it's supposed to be just as good as a regular bike helmet, but it's like very light. And We should pool our money together and get this for Jake Barsness. Yeah, just to wear while he's walking. Yeah, because he's indestructible. He is like, indestructible, but I don't want. He only him. gets stronger anytime a car hits. Yeah, him. but yeah. his brains get a little less. Yeah, <laughs> nobody true. cares about that part. Well, have you talked to him? Have you talked to a slow person, Lauren? Here's one. I don't talk to him much. Here's now. one for Mike and Lauren. Uh, this is called the Licky Brush. Yes. Is there Ugh. anything stranger than the Licky Brush? Probably not. Which will explain why it created so much interest this year. The brush allows you to lick your cat. So it's basically like this <laughs> fucking brush that you stick in your mouth and then you use your face to brush your cat yeah that's stupid. i would do Why? this at fucking rb look how happy that cat looks in the pit. look how happy yeah. that cat that's that's the looks. same look a cat has when you use a regular brush no but or when you pet it no yeah. i'm buying you this for christmas and you're gonna fucking like it <laughs> no here's this. here's whatever here's what happens to everyone who buys this product is they use it as a lick brush five times and, and then, then they just cat, use it as a regular brush. And then a cat scratches their face yeah. because they're tired of being licked and then they never do it again. Yeah. No, <laughs> no they use it five so times happy. the way it's supposed to be used and then they just use it as a reg- regular brush with their hands. Re- realistic number, how many people are going to lose an eye because of this fucking thing? <laughs> four. Uh, four. At least four, right? Yeah, four. Okay. Four not, seems like, good. That's not a lot. That's, like, that's, statistic- that's not a lot. That's yeah. statistically normal for owning a cat. <laughs> Losing an eye? Yeah. With, Is it? With or really? without yeah. the licky brush. Yeah. With or without the licky You could reduce that brush. risk by not using a no. licky brush. All right, fine. You don't care about how the cat feels. I get it. Look at how the girl feels that's using it. She has reached... Nirvana. She is. She's totally okay with the fact that no man will ever love her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's at peace with that. No, she's like, I have finally, you know, gotten to my true form as a cat kin. Ugh, feline kin. <laughs> Ugh. I said that just to make Jared uncomfortable. No, not uncomfortable. Success. All right. Just uh, up next, uh, India will be the first country to explain to the world about aliens' contacts. Okay. Aliens contacts. Yeah. I just read it the way the guy wrote so, it. So like contact lenses, aliens have contact lenses. That's why they have those weird like black eyes. Yeah, weird there contacts. we go. That makes sense. Uh, New Delhi is in the middle of a big secret internal debate. Ooh. On one side, the largest democracy of the world is eager to explain it to its citizens and to the world about the ongoing contacts with the UFOs and extraterrestrials. On the other hand, there are invisible untold international protocols that prohibit doing anything that may cause worldwide fear and panic. Let's stop right there real quick. Do you guys think that there is like some sort of worldwide secret treaty to not disclose this kind of shit? Not like, with India, there's Like not. if a spaceship crashes into your country, do you think there's an obligation or at least some sort of agreement not to just say, hey, we found aliens? I could see the You're United... talking about the Illuminati right there, I John. could see yeah. the United States putting that on everybody else. Yeah, but... I could see us going, you ain't gonna talk about this because we're not talking about this. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah, you, know, yeah, you could see that, but there's country. so many countries who would just flat out be like, fuck that. <laughs> America says it, I'm doing the opposite. Yeah, but the only countries that do that... Like Unless they agree with... 
agree with the The only sanctions. countries that would do that is like North Korea, who's like, hey, we got like fucking unicorns France and shit. would do that in a heartbeat. And everybody's heartbeat. like, nah, you don't have unicorns. Yeah, if North Korea announced that they had a crash UFO like, in custody nah, tomorrow, you. everybody would be like, pfft. Whatever. Fuck you, not yeah. well, says, says the guy that tells everyone he doesn't poop. Yeah. yeah. So like the guy who says he owns unicorn unicorns. So yeah. So I, I think that's part of the problem is the people who would defy it, we just be like, nah, fuck you. I don't. No, I don't think there's a world. There's no way that that could be that could be enforced. I don't know. Maybe it's just maybe it just works. I don't know. It is well accepted between the UFO and extraterrestrial experts that all the five nuclear powers are in contact with the beings from stars for quite some time. Okay. Recently, India has seen enormous news on UFO contacts and secret UFO bases in the Himalayas near the China Chinese bases. In Ladakh, for example, the locals clearly point out everyday phenomenon of large triangular spacecrafts coming out below the ground and Indian security forces protecting them. Military officials and politicians have confessed the fact that India has been contacted. India has been told the rules of the universe. This guy isn't a great writer. I'm guessing that English is not his first language. His name thought, is David. Well, I don't know. He seems seems like he can't write with so it. So is the guy that provides my phone support. His name is David Aragorn. Yeah, so I don't think I'm that's thinking a real that name. might not be his real name. <laughs> the current debate is on whether to keep it secret like other countries are doing or in... Tradition of a total transparent society come out and tell the truth. India is so open and democratic, it is very difficult to keep a secret for long. The biggest concern of the government today is that, unlike in other countries, it will be very difficult to keep it secret for long. If the information comes out through unofficial channels Sweet. first, and then the authorities are pressed against the wall to confess, two bad things can happen. First, it can really cause panic in the country as well as the world. Second, the way the Indian politics is run, the ruling party will be thrown out of power in no time if it is ever found that the government withheld such information. I don't know enough about Indian politics. Indian politics. But I mean, with uh, just in a worldwide sense, do you think everybody would freak the fuck out? Do you no. think there would be riots in the street <clears throat> if, you if, if the world found out there was extraterrestrials no. that visit us? I think there no. would be a lot of uh, outrage. Well, okay, there would be outrage of the secrecy, right? But do you uh, think no, I think there would be a lot of outrage about aliens existing, especially with like church groups. So I think they would just deny. I it. think there would be like small like protests that would show up, like a bunch of people gathering. What would their, they be protesting? Uh, aliens don't exist. The truth. Yeah. Alternative facts. Just <laughs> just saying that it's not true. Yeah. There'd be a lot of people just chanting outside of uh, their you know houses of worship. Because for some reason, a lot of religions hold like a lot of like an alien walks by and they're like, "What the fuck is those guys yeah, doing?" Like, like <laughs> you're against God or something like that. Yeah, they would, they would, they would. They would entire existence goes against. There, our there's beliefs. just like a, a lot of weird like denial of there can't be aliens because then for some reason Jesus doesn't count. So yeah, like that's it, the either weird thought. There. It's like it's it like, invalidates religion or it somehow uh, means that we're not special because. We should, we should be the only ones that exist because the Bible didn't say God made aliens, so they can't exist because it's not in the Bible. Uh, I could see it going that way. I think that if it was disclosure in a, in a peaceful manner, like we weren't dealing with like an invasion or anything crazy like that, but it's just like, hey, just so you guys know, aliens are here. In that case, I think Jared's dead on. I think there would be church groups freaking the fuck out. I think 
Well, keep going. I'm sorry. The inverse yeah. of that is, is I think that people like us would be throwing fucking parties. Well, yeah, right. no, 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 and, the, and there'd be another group uh, bigger than the Christian protesters, or mm-hmm. or any sort of any sort of Judeo Christian protesters, because and like uh, Islam and uh, Judaism. Yeah, they'd be all, in on would, that too. I think. Yeah, I th- I think they would be part of the uh, anti-alien. That's what I'm saying. Well, yeah. Okay. I don't know. It depends on the type of. I've I've seen a Judaism, lot of. I think of like when they talk like alien shows where they talk to like religious organizations about like well what do you guys think if aliens were to exist and a lot of them are like they they don't they don't it's against right. God we don't don't even consider but it. I think the bigger group to emerge would be people just running out into the streets with signs saying I worship you aliens now. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I think that would be an even bigger group of people like I've forsaken my god and chosen you. Yeah. Please do not destroy me. Well, according to the ancient- That's what I think that's what world leaders would be worried about yeah. is according those to the people. Yeah. Ancient aliens crowd that's happened multiple times before. I wouldn't worship them. I'd just be like so how do I get off this planet and move to yours? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Who? Which one of you aliens can make me emperor of the moon? <laughs> that is true. I would start negotiating for stuff like that. I'd be like, is there any uninhabited planets out there that I could live on and be <laughs> god emperor of? <laughs> can I create a race of monkey people, please? <laughs> not, the, not these. These, no, are, these ones these are, are shitty. I these want are better ones. These are tainted. <laughs> it's Someone fun- fucked up somewhere along I the way. I want better monkey people. It's funny. That they mention uh, India and UFOs and having like a lot of contact with UFOs because there is a crowd that say that like Hindu gods and things are modeled directly after aliens. I've yeah, heard that before. They say a lot of things though. Just, well, like, well you know, if you read the if you read the Bhaga Gavita, Bhagavad the Bhagavad Ganush. No. <laughs> no. If you read that, like, uh, they talk about like uh, the gods having like wars up in the sky, mm-hmm. with, like sh- throwing fire at each other. Well, and I mean, like that's that. almost directly taken from Revelations too. I think Sorta. it's well. It's I think it's older than Revelations. Well, it is. I'm just saying that it's that sort of thing is in the Judeo-Christian Similar one, shape, yeah, yeah, as well. And, like, uh, angels are described as very alien-looking as well, mm-hmm. and same uh, course as, like, the Hindu gods. They got big-ass wings. Yeah, big-ass wings, Not multiple alien faces. Some of them are wheels made of fire with mm-hmm. eyes. Well, that sounds way better than Angels, that TV show Angels in America. Oh, yeah. way fucking better. <laughs> but not as good as Supernatural. No, we, we should in the future, though, do an, uh, an episode on Angels and Angel sightings? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that would be a good episode. Sumerian. All right, moving on uh, to uh, cryptozoology news. Alabama family <laughs> threatening to kill local Bigfoot. Why? A man in Clark County says he and his family are tired of dealing with a Bigfoot creature and are threatening to kill it unless officials come to capture and remove it. The eyewitness claims he was sleeping after a family reunion in Gainstown, Alabama, when he first encountered the bipedal creature in 2015. Wasn't this like the plot of Henry and the Hendersons? (laughs) (laughs) No, they made friends with him in that one. These rednecks want to kill him. No, no, then they have to put him back to the woods because like the neighbors were like, we're tired of dealing with these Bigfoot. No, because there was a Bigfoot hunter following them. Yeah, that's the same thing. I don't think okay. <laughs> I don't think these people would call themselves hunters. I think they're just upset people from Alabama. It was 3:30 a.m. and I had fallen asleep on my cousin's sofa. All of a sudden, the dogs started going crazy, and I heard one of them yelling out like it was hurt. Then I heard the sounds of something coming up on the front porch, so I sat up to look out the front window. What I saw was unforgettable and unbelievable. <clears throat> 
The man, a native of Texas, alleges that a hairy animal walking on two legs was going through the trash located on the front porch. Sure wasn't a raccoon because they stand up on their hind legs. Just a drunk. He's just looking at a little tiny trash can with a raccoon next to it. (laughs) (laughs) It was squatting down right in front of me. I guess it was too big to stand straight up on the porch. Okay, so that theory's out. I don't know why I was there, but we had left the empty beer and soda cans and leftover food scraps and a couple of trash bags to be thrown out the next day. The lights were on so I could see it clearly. He described it as an eight-foot-tall creature with brown and red hair. Its back, he added, was very muscular with 16-inch feet and five-foot-long arms. That's just Uncle Ricky. That's just some big-ass hairy motherfucker. No, but the the brownish-red hair is pretty typical for North American sightings. Yeah, no, this this sounds pretty legit. Uh, The Texan said he was too scared to move and that he observed the animal for about 20 minutes. He was reportedly not able to snap a picture of the unproven creature. Mm. So he was probably just, you know, didn't have his phone near him, and he was like, fuck, I don't even want to move, because what if this thing just decides to push the door open? That's kind of fair. I, I kind of I, 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 I think I would be frozen. Yeah, I think that's the appropriate response. If that thing was digging through the trash for 20 minutes, I would probably sit as quietly as possible for 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Do, um, is there any mention of smell in this yeah. article? He says it smells like cheese gone bad. Oh, does he really? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's consistent. That's also consistent. Yeah, he added that when the creature was done going through the trash, it took a leap to the ground and crossed a 30-foot road in two strides. That sounds like that video we saw, remember? Yeah, that's true. It went down a ravine and was gone. Uh, According to the family, the bipedal has been showing up often and hurting their pets, which they keep outdoors. We know where it lives and how it travels. All we want is for someone to capture and remove it, or we will find it and kill it. Okay. Broomfield, a uh, Bigfoot research organization investigator, says he searched the area and found physical evidence such as finger and handprints on a trailer located on the family's property. There is no doubt in my mind that this was a real encounter. I know the area, and if I were a Sasquatch, that's where I would live, said Brumfield. (laughs) Well, that's good. Thanks, buddy. It's weird because I was totally with him until the point was like, if I were a Sasquatch, this is where I would be. I was like, what does that even mean? Uh, he said regarding the wish to kill something, I explained that we have never received a report where a Bigfoot hurt anybody. The Yellowhammer State has been a hotspot for Bigfoot sightings recently. Last year, a woman in West Alabama told Cryptozoology News her granddaughter and a police officer encountered an unidentified animal she believes could be Bigfoot. So yeah, this... I don't know. I, do you, uh, I, I wanted to bring this up because how do you guys feel about killing a Bigfoot in the name of science? Uh, good... I mean, if it proves they exist. But what if they're people? They're, they're not, not people. I mean, if they're like a kind of people. I don't know, because I think that they could be a lot, like, especially the instances where there have been Bigfoot with younger ones, they tend to act like a sort of people. So I would feel a little bit weird about it. I think that if there is a better means of proving they exist, that should be the route to I take. I think their intelligence is probably like primate level kind of stuff, like gorilla. Well, I th- you would think if if uh, if it was just at that level, they wouldn't mind being observed in the wild, yeah. such as gorillas do. Like gorillas are, you know, they have a certain level of intelligence, and it is it is pretty high compared to most animals, but. When they see us, they don't necessarily like try to hide every or time. Or disappear. Yeah. Or make no. it impossible to fucking get footage of or them. Get all blurry. <laughs> yeah, get all fucking blurry and shit. Yeah. But uh, no, I, I, I don't. I definitely don't think we should just hunt one down. 
But if we we have to capture one to prove it exists. That's true. So, but if it dies in the, the capture of it, I'm fine with that. What if we start a Bigfoot war? Ooh. Uh, well, what at least Bigfoot, we know they're what real. What if Bigfoot start fighting us, and then they're not allowed in the country anymore? We got numbers on our side, so I, I think well, I, then I like we'll our just chances. Ban them from coming into the country. That's a good yeah, idea. Let's put them, send them back Build a to Canada. Wall. Send those frostbacks back up north. Oh God, Fro- <laughs> you already figured out a wow. racial slur that fast? Wow. Wow. Damn, Damn, Jared. Jared. <laughs> the white man's greatest uh, talent. Witness report. Black-eyed adults killed my boyfriend by drowning him in the river. Wow. Frightening first-hand accounts of black-eyed children have been flooding the internet for the past couple of years, uh, terrifying readers with tales of strange kids showing up on doorsteps in the middle of the night. Uh, they cause strange illnesses and even result in the death of anyone foolish enough to let them in their homes. That's a theory. Uh, now a relatively new type of encounter has started to crop up black-eyed adults well those kids do got to grow up sometime <laughs> so this is the latest witness report this is from week and weird and you guys could find this in the show notes uh i just f- uh found week and weird today and i wanted to tell you about an adult black-eyed kid experience i had back in may 2012 at the time me and an ex-boyfriend were living in lee woods just outside of bristol uk we had many strange experiences in the three months we were staying in the woods but this one takes the biscuit it's a very English term. Wow, how did he such a fucking Brit about it? (laughs) We were leaving to go to work one day around 10.30 a.m., and I went onto the towpath at the bottom of the gorge. Right there What the fuck is a towpath? I think it's a driveway. Or what's a gorge? Uh, That's like a canyon, but but smaller. Uh, Right there, there were four people walking along. The first... A short, middle-aged man with pointed with a pointed gray beard and completely black eyes. The second, a very tall, middle-aged woman with completely black eyes. The third, a teenage boy, roughly 17 or 18, with completely black eyes and a troll-like underbite with what seemed to have fangs protruding upwards. The fourth was a very beautiful black girl. The rest were extremely pale white, around 20 to 21 years old, whose eyes were normal. So one of them was a black girl who didn't have black eyes. Everyone else was white and had all black eyes. Uh, The path was flooded out. Some puddles on the towpath uh, are up to a foot deep, and they weren't stepping in the puddles without even looking at the ground, which I promise is impossible in flood season, even when you're paying attention to what you're doing. Their their skin didn't seem to fit them, and they moved in a very strange way. What? This person's British, right? Yep. Then why are they using the the term foot for depth? Up to a foot. Well, I think they still teach that over there. They still they 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 still teach the uh the standard system because that because the foot is the the foot is the king's foot. They invented that. It sounds like bullshit to me. Okay. <laughs> uh their skin moved and they seemed to move in a strange way, almost like their limbs were bending in places there are no joints. Ugh, Ugh. Fuck that. The two older ones looked at us and, as we said good morning, with this really unsettling smile. But the black eyed adults said nothing back, which is really odd as it's a very friendly city where strangers often talk to each other. They stared at us and it felt awful, like they were looking into my brain or something. The troll-like teenager looked dead ahead with a really angry expression on his face, and the girl looked happy but vacant, like she was hypnotized, just staring into space and walking in front of him. 
Their clothes were modern, uh, waterproof coats and walking boots. Apart from the girl who wasn't wearing walking boots like she intended to come into the woods, she was wearing flat pumps, which nobody in their right mind would wear on the path in flood season. When they had passed us, we looked at each other immediately and said at the same time, that was so weird. We both felt the strangeness, strangeness emanating off of them like a total sense of foreboding. All right, I'm just going to say right now, if it looks like your limbs are bending where no joints should exist, I am not saying good morning. Yeah, no. I'm not. I'm we're not tell making you that right eye now. contact. Not mentioning the morning or anything else. Nope, nope, nope. I'm walking by and I'm done with you. I'm pretending I don't see you. <laughs> I'm taking a picture of you, posting it on Facebook and saying, look at these weirdos. Yeah. Uh, what adds further mystery to this encounter is that exactly one year later my ex tragically died at the age of 22 in one of the quays of keys that, it's pronounced it's pronounced keys yeah keys of that same river the towpath follows it was reported that he had hallucinated a girl called sally throwing herself in after speaking to her he could have been saved but he refused to let anyone rescue him until he rescued sally there are a lot of residential boats on that key, so a lot of people heard him shouting for her and tried to help him. The police looked in the key for a second body for hours after he had died, but concluded she had been a figment of his imagination brought on by misadventures with drugs. Huh. All right. Uh, I know this might sound far-fetched, but I have been trying to find out more about these black-eyed kids ever since, and I wanted to share this experience in case it was helpful to anyone, in case you have any information that might be helpful to my search for answers. So that's a uh, that's creepy. So you think the black-eyed adults maybe hypnotized the boyfriend into thinking that someone was drowning? Yeah, and that girl that was with them was another one of their victims. Yeah, maybe. Uh, this uh, a different encounter in the Lee Woods in 2014. Two girls camping in the forest claimed to have captured a ghost-like entity peering at them from a patch of trees. Ugh. Let's take a look at that one real quick. All right. See if that's a... Uh, okay. Let I me. think we looked at this picture before. We might have looked at it and, and not talked about it. I think we did. No, this is from too far ago. I don't know. I don't really see... I don't really see anything in that circle. I guess that's a zooming in, but that could be anything. That could, yeah, that could literally, literally be, be fucking anything. anything. Uh, yeah, black-eyed kids are, are, are freaky. Have you ever talked to anybody that has seen something like that? I've never had anyone tell me about them. We have. Them. I've never seen black-eyed kids. Maybe it was me and Stuart. No, I think you were there. When did you see them? Uh, when we lived in Stuart's neighborhood, and we were driving home at night. It, we thought they were vampires, but now the more I think about it, the more it could have been like black-eyed adults with Did they have kids. black eyes? I do remember seeing them. Yeah. But I don't remember their eyes being black. That was a long time ago. Yeah. And they were definitely out at 3 a.m. doing normal family shit. Yeah, it was like shit. a family out, like, sitting at a bus stop Oh, that at, like, could, 2 a.m. That couldn't have been with Stuart, because I remember you posting about Facebook about that when we were on the cruise ship. No, no, this was... This is when we were kids. This is when we were in high school. Oh. Yeah. I know you posted something about vampires doing normal Oh, that was in Jared's, uh, old, Jared's mom's neighborhood. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, there were vampires that lived in that neighborhood. So basically, the smart thing to do is if you see any black-eyed kids, just don't let the them in the fuck house. Out. Get the fuck away from them. Just start hurting them. Just start fucking no, them up. Don't, I wouldn't make any fucking contact. Stand your ground. This is Florida. Yeah. Get back. All right, we're gonna take a quick break and then we're gonna come back and talk about lost cities. Woo! Sorry about this.
Welcome back. Thanks for listening. Uh, this episode is brought to you by the Kingdom of the Moon. Woo-hoo! The Kingdom of the Moon. Stay away from us. Yes. Yes. They have nuclear weapons, and they're not afraid to use them. We are the top power in the world. Uh, space. Nope, just the world. Yeah, no, space, we're very low on the total yeah, but we're number one on the top in the world. They're one of the Earth's superpowers. Yep. All right, right now, let's talk about some lost cities. Ooh, uh, Zinge is my favorite. Which one is Zinge? One from Congo. Oh, yeah, that one's pretty good. Oh, yeah, you got us with that joke earlier. Fuck you. Yeah, he, he's telling me all about the lost city of Zinge, and I'm, like, trying to, like, Google this shit. I'm like, how do you spell it? And then he starts talking about white monkeys that are very aggressive, and I was like, like God you damn you. asshole. <laughs> Suck my fucking dick. <laughs> Here's five legendary lost cities that have never been found. New York City. First one's New York City. Uh, <laughs> Tried to get there once. Couldn't find it. Couldn't find it. Too much can't, traffic. Can't prove to me that it exists or <laughs> that the world's not flat. <laughs> Since Europeans first arrived in the New World, there have been stories of a legendary jungle city of gold, sometimes referred to as El Dorado. Spanish conquistador Francisco de Orellana was the first to venture along the Rio Negro in search of this fabled city. In 1925, at the age of 58, explorer Percy Fawcett headed to the jungles of Brazil to find a mysterious lost city he called Z. I actually read a book about this. It was pretty interesting. I watched a movie, and uh, Elton John did a great soundtrack for it. Lost City of Z. Are you thinking of Tarzan? No, she's about El Dorado. I said about El Dorado. El Dorado movie. Oh, I never saw that as a kid. I loved it as a kid. Is that a good movie? Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, so at the age of 58, he headed into the jungles of Brazil to find the city he called Z. He and his team would vanish without a trace, and the story would turn out to be one of the biggest news stories of his day. Despite counts- countless rescue missions, Fawcett was never found. Hmm. Uh, in 1906, the Royal Geographical Society, a British organization that sponsors scientific expeditions, invited Fawcett to survey part of the frontier between Brazil and Bolivia. He spent 18 months in the Mato Grosso area, and it was during his various expeditions that Fawcett became obsessed with the idea of lost civilizations in the area. In 1920, Fawcett came across a document in the National Library of uh, Rio de Janeiro called Manuscript 512. It was written by a Portuguese explorer in 1753 who claimed to have found a walled city deep in the Mato Grosso region of the Amazon rainforest, reminiscent of ancient Greece. The manuscript described a lost, silver-laden city with multi-storied buildings, soaring stone arches, wide streets leading down towards a lake on which the explorer had seen two white Indians in a canoe. Fawcett called this lost city of Z. So okay. that's that's always an interesting account. That's what started this whole search is this manuscript that he, the guy claims he saw white Indians in canoes and a city that was like just as spectacular as like ancient ancient Greek cities. Hmm. All right, I could see where I that would drive you. I never knew about it being called Lost City of Z. That's interesting. Uh, well, some people believe that this is different than the legendary El Dorado, huh, okay. or that this one's real and that one's fake, or that one's real and this one's fake. You know, who knows? Because okay. th- we never found it, so we yeah. don't fucking know. <laughs> Uh, in 1921, Fawcett set out on his first of many expeditions to the lost city of Z, but his team were frequently hindered by the hardships of the jungle, dangerous animals, and rampant diseases. 
Percy's final search for Z culminated in his complete disappearance. In April 1925, he attempted one last time to find Z, this time better equipped and better financed by newspapers and societies including including the Royal Geographic Society and the Rockefellers. So a lot of people believed this was real. Yeah, I mean, people believe that this could be a real city and the walls could be plated with gold or just made out of gold. Shit always comes back to the fucking Rockefellers, doesn't it? So well, they've they got were their hands the Illuminati. in everything. Yeah, I'm pretty sure those guys started the Illuminati. Yeah, I think <laughs> no. a, lot, a lot of people think that. No joke. <laughs> Uh, in his final letter home, he sent back via a team member. Fawcett sent a message to his wife, Nina, and proclaimed, We hope to get through this region in a few days. You need have no fear of any failure. It was to be the last one anyone would ever hear from them again. While Fawcett's lost city of Z has never been found, numerous ancient cities and remains of religious sites have been uncovered in recent years in the jungles of Guatemala, Guatemala, Brazil, Bolivia, and Honduras. With the advent of new scanning technology, it is possible that an ancient city that spurred the legends of Z may one day be found. That's hopeful. So that's cool. Now they can kind of uh, look with like satellite imagery and see like, oh, this, this, like the shapes of this forest don't look. Natural. Uh, natural. Yeah. It looks like something yeah. has hindered the growth in the shape of like like everything that's grown. It'd still so they be can, hard to find. So they can mm-hmm. yeah. So they can basically they can uh they can find these with satellites, but it's still really hard to get to. It's not like you can land a helicopter. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah they can also the do uh uh deep uh infrared scanning to see if there's like anything underneath. To a certain depth. Yeah. Mike, why don't you take this one right here? This one is... All right. This is the lost city of Aztlan, legendary homeland of the Aztecs. The Aztec people of Mexico created one of the most powerful empires of the ancient Americas. While much is known about their empire located where today's Mexico City can be found, less is known about the very start of the Aztec culture. Many consider the missing island of Aztlan to be the ancient homeland where the Aztec people began to form as a civilization prior to their migration to the <coughs> Valley of Mexico. Some believe it's a mystical, la- a mythical land similar to Atlantis or Camelot, which will live th- on through legend but will never be found in a physical existence. Others believe it to be a true physical location that will someday be identified. Searches for the land of Aztlan have spanned from western Mexico all the way to the deserts of Utah in hopes of finding the legendary island. However, these searches have been fruitless as the locations and existence of Aztlan remain a mystery. Yeah, I read one theory that it was actually an island in the Great Salt Lake. That was just a theory, though. That's an island that no longer exists. Yeah, I mean, well... In the Great Salt Lake... Of Utah. Of Utah? Yeah. That's like some weird Mormon shit if I've ever heard it. Great Salt Lake of Utah? No, yeah, it's a real lake. I know, no, I know that. No, <laughs> I know that's a real lake. Just what I'm saying, like, so you're saying that the Aztecs, that some people believe that the Aztecs came from a island in the middle of the Great Salt Lake of Utah. Yeah, some people do believe that. Well, their their I mean, ruins are found. Distance. Uh, spread very far from each yeah, other. Well, I mean, who knows how, how like, where where these cultures came from? Because, like, all we have is the evidence that we have, and that's very, very little. Yeah. I suppose. That's that's odd. I've never heard that before. That's very odd. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, like, I, I don't know. It just wouldn't, it, it doesn't make sense necessarily 
that South America would have all these great civilizations, but that North America would just be a bunch of nomads. That's true. The formation of civilization at Aztlan comes from legend. According to Nahuatl legend, or is that an L? I think that's an L. It's an L. Nahuatl legend, there were seven tribes that once lived at Chikamaztak, the place of the seven caves. These tribes represented the seven Nahua groups, Akalwa, Chalca, Mexica, Tepaneca, Tlahuaca, and Tlaxalan, and... <laughs> Fuck you for making me read all this. So, Jamaica. <laughs> uh, the seven groups being of similar... You can, you can read this actual article in the show notes if you want to see what these words that Mike just said look yeah. like. <laughs> the, uh, the seven groups being of similar linguistic groups left the respective caves and settled as one group near Aztlan. The word Aztlan means land of the north, the land from whence we, the Aztecs, came. It is said that eventually the people who... in inhabited Aztlan became known as the Aztecs, who then migrated from Aztlan to the Valley of Mexico. The Aztec migration from Aztlan's Tenochtitlan is a very important piece of Aztec history. It began on May 24, 1064, which is the first Aztec solar year. Now, we actually know about that, about the Aztec migration from Tenochtitlan, or Tetlan. Well, and that also fits with the uh, land bridge migration that everybody came from Canada. Everybody yeah. in North and South America came from Canada and slowly migrated their way south. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, is it possible that Aztlan's in Canada? Could be. I mean, there's you know nothing up there. So, I mean, there could be a hidden city in all those trees where nobody's ever been. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, to this day... The actual existence of an island known as Aztlan has not been confirmed. Many have searched for the land in, a, in hopes of having a better understanding of where the Aztecs came from, and perhaps a better understanding of ancient Mexican history. However, like other lost cities, it's not clear whether Aztlan will ever be found. It's it's interesting to think of, like, but why would... I mean, I guess if they got overpopulated because of all these seven tribes, people would start moving away from the city to found different cities. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it, climate change could uh, make an entire culture move. You yeah, know? If they ran out of ran out of food. Some sort of religious ideology, or div could keep division, going. civil yeah. war. I guess there's there's a million of reasons. reasons why. All right, Lauren, why don't you take this last one? Okay. The lost land of... This Lion next one, I'm sorry. Uh, Lioness? Lioness? Leonese. Leonese. In Arthurian legend, Leonese is the home country of Tristan from the legend story, legendary story of Tristan and Isolde. The mythical land of Leonese is now referred to as the lost land of Leonese, as it is ultimately said to have sunk into the sea. However, the legendary tale of Tristan and Isolde shows that Leonese is known to be more than, a, more than sinking into the ocean, and that it has a legendary presence while it remained above ground. While Leonese is mostly referred to in stories of legend and myth, there is some belief that it represents a very real city that sunk into the sea many years ago. With such a legendary location, it can be difficult to ascertain where the legend ends and the reality begins. So the legend is that it like floated up above the sea? So it's like the opposite of Atlantis? Or, well, I think it's just that it was 
kind of how they show it, where it was like maybe on the sea, and then the the sea eventually grew and took over. Yeah, it sounds like it was a slow descent into the sea. So at one point, the sea was kind of at level with it, and it was still you know visible, and then it got overcome by the ocean. Yeah, because there's a couple places that we found like that. You mostly like in uh, the Mediterranean. Mm. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think like uh, shit. In uh, Italy. Uh, Venice. Venice. Venice is eventually going to sink into... Exactly. Yeah, so eventually that's, that's, that's going to happen. That's how I see this with Leonese. I mean, the only reason it's still there is because of modern technology. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there are some variations in the legends that surround the sinking of the land. Prior to its sinking, Leonese would have been quite large, containing 140 villages and churches. That's that pretty fucking big. Leonese is said to have disappeared on November 11th, uh, 1099, although some tales use the year 1089 and some date back to the 6th century. Very suddenly, the land was flooded by the sea. Entire villages were swallowed and the people and animals of the area drowned. Once it was covered in water, the land never reemerged. While the Arthurian le- tales are legendary, there is some belief that the Leonese was once a very real place attached to the Sicily Isles of Cornwall, England. Evidence shows that sea levels were considerably lower in the past, so it's very possible that an area that once contained a human settlement above ground is now beneath sea level. Indeed, fishermen near Sicily Isles tell tales of retrieving pieces of buildings and other structures from the fishing nets. These stories have never been substantiated and are viewed by some as uh, tall tales. I, I, I think it's totally within the realm of possibility that a human settlement has been swallowed up by there's, water at some point. There's probably hundreds of cities that we'll never ever find that have uh, been just flooded, I mean, just added to the ocean. Really, there's so far, there's not really anything mythical about the idea of a city sinking. Well, I mean, we did it on purpose in China. Uh, what was that That one city? The China. Uh, what is it called? Like the city of ghosts or whatever, Yishen, where they, uh, it had a dam oh, built yeah. above it and they destroyed the dam and now the whole city's underwater. Well, that's actually really common in Kentucky. Uh, there are plenty of towns, yeah, there's towns that, have been that are completely off. underwater and you can actually go swimming in those towns to this day and look down and see entire it, it fucking used, buildings. It used to be a valley with a town and now it's a reservoir. Yeah, some of them aren't yeah. even that old. Like No, they're not at all. I'm my mom's told me about ones that she's like seen that happen to. Uh, to finish it up, uh, from the legendary tales of Tristan Isolde uh, to Arthur's final battle, battle with Mordred to the sto- stories of a city being swallowed by the sea, the tales of Leonese invoke a vast array of thoughts and emotions by those who wish to know more about this legendary city and who like to believe that its legendary tales are founded upon a very real lost city. Yeah, I mean, really, there's not, other than the idea that's vaguely connected with Arthur. It's easy for me to believe that there's just a city that sunk. It's Here's not a, hard. Jared, can you read from there or no? No. Okay. <laughs> you don't have to read one if you don't want to. Let's see. So, search for El Dorado, the lost city of gold. For hundreds of years, treasure hunters and historians alike have searched for El Dorado, the lost city of gold. The idea of a city filled with gold and other riches has a natural appeal, drawing the attention of individuals from all over the world in hopes of discovering the ultimate treasure and an ancient wonder. 
In spite of numerous expeditions all around of, uh, Latin America, the City of Gold remains a legend with no physical evidence to substantiate its existence. The origins of El Dorado, the City of Gold, come from <laughs> legendary tales of the Musica tribe. Musica? Musinex is pronounced. Yeah, Musica. 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 The Musica. M U I S C A tribe. Following two migrations, I'm not worried about it. They're not. What are they going to do? Come after me? They might. They might, but they'll have to bring their city of gold. <laughs> Following two migrations, one in 1270 BC and one between 800 and 500 BC, the Musinex tribe occupied the Cucamongabara and Boyaca areas of Colombia. According to legend, as written by Juan Rodriguez Frailes El Camarero, the Musinex tribe practiced a ritual for every newly appointed king that involved gold dust or other precious treasures. When a new leader was appointed, many rituals would take place before he took his role as king. During one of these rituals, the new king would be brought to Lake Gu- Guatativia. Uh, to Lake Guatativita. Guacamole. Guatavita. Where he would be stripped naked, yeah, and covered in gold dust, double yeah. He would be placed upon a highly decorated raft along, along with his attendants and piles of gold and precious stones. The raft would be sent out to the center of the lake where the king would wash the gold dust from his body as his attendants would throw the pieces of gold and precious stones into the lake. The ritual was intended as a sacrifice to the Musinex god, the bee. To the Musinex, El Dorado was not a city of gold, but the king at the center of this ritual, also called the Gilded One. While El Dorado was meant to refer to the Gilded One, the name has now become synonymous with the Lost City of Gold and any other place where one can quickly obtain wealth. So that's kind of what they did in the first Uncharted. Remember, he was looking for El Dorado, and it turned out it was just an ancient king with a plague inside of its body. Yeah. Yeah. Spoiler alert. (laughs) Yeah, if you haven't... Well, that's like like Jacques Cousteau. I don't know if it was this lake or maybe it was Lake Titicaca. He... Because of similar rituals, or because he thought that uh, that they hid their gold from conquistadors at the bottoms of these lakes, like searched some of these lakes, or at, at least one. Yeah, well, in uh, 1545, conquistadores Lazaro Fonte and Hernan Perez de Quesadilla attempted to drain Lake Quesada. Attempted to <laughs> drain Lake uh, Guacamole. As they did so, they found gold among its shores, fueling their suspicions that the lake contained a treasure of riches. That's poorly worded. Seems redundant, but okay. Uh, They worked for three months with workers forming a bucket chain, but they were unable to drain the lake sufficiently to reach any treasures deep within the lake. That's the power of slavery right yeah. there. Yeah. Wait. Well, like I think we have enough slaves to just to do a bucket brigade a to drain a whole lake. Yeah. <laughs> like Yeah. You know, you where can. do you think the water is gonna go? It's gonna God, go back into the water the, table. That's like, literally the stupidest shit I've ever heard. Let's drain We're gonna a lake move this well, lake with, with a bucket buckets. chain. Yeah. Well, hold on. This is fifteen forty five logic here. They didn't know about water tables. You know? Actually, I think they did. They probably should have. Uh, well, they knew about aqueducts, I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I so. think even in 1545, there were more efficient ways so, of draining yeah, a so lake. It said various pieces of gold were found along the shores, but the treasure at the depths of the lake remained concealed. They yeah. didn't say what, co- like, gold, like how you would find 
panning for gold, like just little sh- little pebbles and stuff, or like actual like coins, gold coins and treasures. And I imagine shit. it's probably like you know Yukon gold type. Yeah, Yukon Trail type shit. I think it's more along the just traces of gold, like yeah. gold dust that substantiates the rumor. Like, oh, where there's the gold dust, the real stuff must be below. Yeah. Uh, so in 1580, another attempt to drain the lake was made by business entrepreneur Antonio del Sepulveda. Once again, various Once again, various pieces of gold were found along the shores, but the treasure at the depths of the lake remained concealed. Other searches were conducted on Lake Guacamole, with estimates that the lake could contain up to 300 million in gold, and no luck in finding the treasures. All searches came to a halt when the Colombian government said, you cut, fucking cut it out, in 1965. (laughs) Nonetheless, the search for El Dorado, the city of gold, continues. (laughs) Even without the ability to search Lake Guacamole, the legends of the Mucinex tribe, the Gilded One, and their ritualistic sacrifice of treasures have transformed over time in today's tale of El Dorado, Lost so City of Gold. That's interesting that like, there's a little bit of evidence to say that there's some shit at the bottom of this lake, but... Back when we were able to search it, we didn't really have the technology to go to the bottom of this lake. Well, not right. back when we had the inclination to search Well, it. back when people were like, hey, stop trying to fucking drain this lake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, Columbia's like, all right, everyone get out of the fucking water. We're not doing this anymore. Well, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. it, it can't be good for the environment. Too many people are dying on these bucket chains. <laughs> yeah. A better way has yet to be found. But, but like, the, the Colombian government hasn't let anybody just dive in the lake. Uh, it might be one of those things like Loch Ness, where it's just the water is too murky to do like a real dive. Fair enough, yeah. Yeah, um, here's the last one we're going to talk about. Uh, the lo- Well, we're, we got one more after this that has a very interesting flesh-eating face disease. And this is one of the newer ones, too. Uh, the Lost Desert Cities of Dubai, The Hidden History. Dubai, uh, Dubai cultivates an ultra-modern image of dazzling architecture and effortless wealth, yet its deserts concealed forgotten cities and a hidden history which reveal how its early inhabitants adapted and overcame dramatic past climate change. One of the most famous lost cities of Arabia, tantalizingly so because its historians have known it existed from written records but simply could not find it, is the middle, medieval city of uh, Jolfar. Home to the legendary Arabian seafarer Ahmed in Majid, as well as allegedly to the fictional Sinbad the Sailor. Uh, Jilfar survived for a thousand years before falling into ruin and disappearing from human memory for almost two centuries. Unlike other desert cities, Jilfar was a thriving port, in fact the hub of southern Gulf Arabic trade in the Middle Ages. So this one isn't as old. So there's lots of evidence that say this place existed. Yeah, they they have like records showing that it was a real port. Uh, Jilfer was known to be somewhere on the Persian Gulf Coast north of Dubai, but the actual site was only found by archaeologists in the 1960s. The earliest signs of settlement found on the site date from the 6th century, by which time its inhabitants were already trading as far as Afid as India... So far afield as India and the Far East on a routine basis. The 10th and 14th centuries were a golden age for Jafar and for long-distance Arab trading and seafaring, with Arab nav- navigators 
routinely traveling halfway around the world. Arabs had sailed into European waters long before Europeans succeeded in navigating through the Indian Ocean and into the Persian Gulf, for instance. As the main base for these voyages and trade, Jalfur was the largest and most important city in the southern Gulf for over a thousand years. Damn, that's Damn. an old fucking city. Yeah. Uh, Arab, wow. Arab that's... merchants routinely made the mammoth 18-month sea voyage as far as China and traded almost everything imaginable. And this is... The tenth and fourteenth century. Yeah, and so the yeah, this is so this is the fourteenth century, but the city was here for a thousand years before it was lost to uh, human contact. Holy yeah. shit. That's impressive. So it said the Portuguese took control uh, in the 16th century, by which time Jalfur was a substantial city of around 70,000 people. A century later, the Persians seized it, only to lose it in 1750 to the Kwasami tribe from Sajra, who established themselves next door at Ras al-Kamiya, Kahima, which they continue to rule this day, leaving the old Jalfur to gradually decay until its ruins became forgotten amongst the coastal sand dudes. Today, most of Jilfer, in all likelihood, still remains hidden beneath the sprawling dunes. So, the sand's just washed over oh, it. So, should dig it up. That's so, we so know cool. where it is, basically. Yeah, but there's just not much left of it. Yeah. I'm sure it's hard to get a dig team in there, too. I'm sure there's lots of bullshit to deal with. Uh, I'm going to... That's, That's so not really even a lost city. Like, we know where it is. It's more forgotten than yeah. lost. This is uh, the last one we want to talk about is the city of the monkey god and the explorers El who Blanca. found their found a disease from a curse and they nearly lost their faces. Uh, legend had it has it that locals uh, fled Honduras city of the monkey god in the 16th century, fearing that it had been cursed with disease. 500 years later, a group of explorers excavating the lost city became the latest victims to incur the wrath of the monkey god when they nearly lost their faces to a flesh-eating parasite. The parasite migrates to the mucous membranes of your mouth and your nose and basically eats them away, Doug Preston, an author who documented the trip, said. Your nose falls off, your lips fall off, and eventually your face becomes a gigantic open sore. For those of you who don't know, Douglas Preston uh, has written a lot of fiction novels and nonfiction. He wrote The Relic. He does all of the Pendergast series. He's a really good writer and... He wrote. He wrote a couple. He wrote a couple books about the Italian justice system. Yeah, he's a, he's actually a, an adventurer. He's an adventurer and a very learned man. And varied in his interests. Yes, uh, the group made up of American and Honduran explorers and archaeologists announced that they found the lost city, also known as uh, how do you say that? I don't. I'm La Ciudad Blanca, I think. Yeah, or the White City. In 2015, uh, the city earned its name according to the American explorer Theodore Mord because of indigenous legends stating that it contained a giant buried statue of a monkey god. Mord claimed to be the first to find the lost city after returning from an expedition, but died before he could return. Other legends speak of it as a white house or place of Kako from which no one has returned. After spending years searching, the team found the city's ru ruins in 32,000 kilometers uh, Mus Muscatia rainforest with a stroke of good fortune. Searching through the thick, uh, thick vegetation with the assistance of a laser mapping system proved unsuccessful until the city was found when crew members noticed stone structures barely sticking out of the ground. Hmm. Why don't you take it from here, Mike? 
All right. Preston told CBS News that months after leaving the jungle, he noticed a bug bite that simply wouldn't go away. This is Douglas Preston, the writer. Oh, no. And so did half his team members. Eventually, the National Institutes of Health diagnosed them with leishmaniasis, a parasitic disease, and the team was forced to undergo treatment. The disease was contracted from sand fly bites. Once bitten, the parasites... Those are the worst. I hate those things. Oh, yeah, and you, you can't stop it. Once bitten, the parasites within the bugs can enter the human bloodstream and begin eating away at the immune cells that normally kill bugs. Initial symptoms include fever and vomiting. If left untreated, leishmania, leishmania can result in horrible disfigurement. But long before they were infected with leishmaniasis, the explorers nearly fell victim to the lethally poisonous snakes infesting the area. When a pit, vi- pit viper called the Fair de Lance made its way into their camp under the cover of darkness, a jungle wayfarer expert snapped into action. He pinned the snake, Steve Elkins, one of the explorers, told CBS News, but the snake exploded at that point into an absolute fury of striking everywhere, squirting venom. Streams Holy of venom shit. across. Yeah, apparently these snakes can shoot their venom this like is 60 fuck feet. This is fucking terrible. Yeah, yeah they're venom spitting. Like, they literally spit acid. Ugh. Between the thick covers of vegetation, disease, and venomous snakes, it would seem the monkey god was striking back at the outsiders for their attempt to find the long-lost city. In reality, the curse and resulting exodus from the White City coincide with a Spanish invasion in the 1500s that brought with them a wave of both slavery and disease. Before Preston and his crew discovered the city, it had remained one of the last unexplored places on the planet. So basically, conquistadors came, and they were like, hey, you guys can't live here anymore. We need you for this bucket brigade. Yeah. <laughs> Way across the, 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 the world. We need you to try to drain this lake with this bucket. Uh, within the city's ruins, the team removed dozens of artifacts carved from stone and clay, including trays and a throne. Many were sculpted with snarling jaguar heads. It was one of the jaguar heads sticking out of the ground that first drew the attention of the explorers. The artifacts date back to 1,000 and 1,500 A.D. Preston knows there are more secrets held within the White City's ruins, but after nearly losing his face, he doubts that it's possible to go back and continue the excavation. It's just too dangerous, he said, and just getting in and out is dangerous. Yeah, fuck that. Yeah. yeah. Because, you, again, you can't land a helicopter up there. you got to go through the fucking you gotta jungle walk. to get there. Yeah, no thanks. Yeah, you gotta walk. I think walk. I, uh, I respect his decision. I think he did enough for science. All right. But, like, that's cool. They actually found this lost city. And, and he's it was got a great story for it. Holy dang- shit. Oh, yeah, he wrote a whole book on it. Oh, we should get that book. So, yeah, and it was fucking dangerous going in there and just being there with flesh-eating viruses and acid spittings. Fuck that. Yeah, nope. I probably wouldn't go back either if I almost lost my face. Yeah, <laughs> hell no. Alright, right now we're going to do our favorite segment called You Believe in What? 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 Okay, we're going to start by Lauren explaining to us exactly what Ebola-chan is. <laughs> okay, so this is some weird shit that's been popping up on 4chan recently that I just... I don't understand why they're doing this or why they've been doing this shit. Basically, the idea of it stems from sigils and that sort of thing, which I think we've talked about on here a little bit, which is basically taking a desire or a wish and turning it into a symbol and then utilizing that for magical practices. Like the secret. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a lot like the secret. A, a lot of people complain about the secret because they they take the occult out of mysticism and then they make it you know something that like they housewives can read. Barnes and Noble sell Rudy Giuliani. But the principles of it are essentially the same. Where it's if you believe in something hard enough, it can come into existence. Um, an old way of doing this is to take your idea, turn it into some sort of symbol, and then let that symbol become more real to you. It's like, like, a, like a dream board. A, it's kind of like a dream board. Um, so what is this exactly? So 4chan, I think is back in like 2015 or whatever, late 2015, early 2016 started this Ebola-chan figure, which is basically this anime, this cute anime girl, and she's supposed to be the embodiment of Ebola. Okay. And so the idea was if enough people made, like, a picture of Ebola-chan and, like, prayed to her and lit candles to her, she became her own goddess of her own, and she would bring Ebola back into the world. So, like, kind of like a topa? You know, we still have that Ebola, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, Well, no, but, like, as, like, a like a big... As yeah, but it's under control now. It was under control. But, like, their, their desire was to make it not under control. An, an epidemic. An epidemic again, yeah. Um, so does this work at all? Well, there was an Ebola outbreak in 2016, okay. which they credit their actions to staring were causing. At a, to staring at a meme? Yeah. <laughs> they, staring at they an credit, anime girl. So basically by lighting candles in front of this figurine, reposting after reposting after reposting, they believe that by doing that, they made it more real in the world's collective subconscious, and because of that, it has made its way into reality. But didn't that uh, Ebola scare turn out to be fraudulent? Like it was fake. It was fake news that was being spread. Maybe I'm not certain. I don't think. No, it wasn't fake. It just wasn't. It was just. It was a scare. It wasn't. It was like, a, like well, it was uh, that some scientists who had gone over uh, to Africa to research uh, on it had come back. Yes. After they yeah, they'd come back sick. Was that in 2015 or 2014? 16? Or six, yeah, I don't think yeah. it was last year, was it? I don't know. Uh, so much shit has gone on. So anyway, Anyways. leading up to present day. Okay, so leading up to present day. These same people are accrediting Trump winning the presidency to, yeah, um, to their chaos magic? Yeah, so they've taken this idea of reposting and shitposting a meme over and over and over again. Magic memes. Um, and they've, they've changed it. And instead of trying to bring back Ebola, they've done basically the political same of trying to make Trump president. And by doing that, they've usurped uh, Pepe the Frog, that meme. Sad Frog. Sad Frog. And by reposting him... So because the alt-right is posting Pepe the Frog, yeah, they're calling it chaos magic. Yeah. Basically, okay. <laughs> yeah. So they're using Pepe the Frog as their sigil... Or their uh, thought form for President Trump and the alt-right. So you're saying that it was rigged and that yeah. they won with magic, I mean, which is totally I unfair. It's not in the Constitution, but it's implied. should be looked into as voter fraud. <laughs> magical voter this fraud. This is magical vo- voter fraud. I saw that guy in Harry Potter uh, wipe an entire city's memory and rebuild it in 
four seconds. Well, then you know what I'm talking yeah. about. Then. <laughs> well, it can't be voter fraud because uh, they fraudulently put Harry Potter's name into the uh, Triwizarding Cup, the Goblet of Fire, uh, and his it, name was drawn. He was allowed to compete. You need, you need to get the fuck out of here so, right now, Jerry. The <laughs> website we're looking at here is dedicated to this weird alt-right magic, which is funny to me because um, magic was really popular with the Nazis, so this all kind of harkens back to that. But I yeah, think it's we more should... like weird negative occult shit. Yeah, yeah like weird the tool negative, society. barely understood occult edgelord shit. It's like, yes, they've read Lieber Null, which is the biggest... Uh, Chaos magic writing. Like, that's what started the whole movement oh, I back thought it was in the Alistair 60s. Crawley. Alistair Crawley isn't chaos magic. He's ceremonial magic. Oh, okay. Uh, Libra and Null happened in the 60s and 70s, and that brought about the idea that it doesn't matter what sort of ritual you do. It more has to do with the fact that you believe it works, and okay. your belief makes it happen. Um, so they've read that, but they haven't read anything else. Uh, if you click on the Too Long Didn't Read... TLDR. Yep, you got it right there. Uh, so this yeah, don't, is what... Don't, don't give me web acronyms. I don't understand any <laughs> of them. I just found out the other day that SMS means shake my head. Or SMH. SMH, means, yeah. Means shake my head. Oh. I just realized that the other day. I didn't know that either. I thought it was something filthier than that, and I couldn't figure it out. I was yeah, like, I thought it was suck, suck my... my suck what? what? Suck my H. What is suck my H? I know it's something mean, but it's just shake my head. I'm just well, a terrible Japan, person. Well, in Japan, H would be like hentai. So yeah, that would actually work. Suck my... You know what? Fuck it. Anyways, <laughs> scroll down a little bit. So on this website, this is this is what they think that they're doing. They think that the general idea is that magic with a K functions are on a subconscious slash deep mind level and that the logical and discursive mind, I don't think discursive is a word, anyways, only hinders the manifestation of results. So basically what they're saying is if you are able to submit something to your subconscious, so if it's something that's on like a dream level where you're dreaming about it and it's below your conscious mind, you can make that into reality and by using logic or reasoning you block that. So if you think, well, this can't happen because magic isn't real, then of course it won't work for you, is what right. they're saying. Um, so they're saying, and they're also saying if you're crazy, if you're lusting result, so that means you keep thinking about it working, or if you're constantly denying the possibility, then it's not going to happen. Okay. Um, I like the practice here. Mike, you want to read this practice? Here? Yeah, okay. Here's, <laughs> here's, a, here's a practice. Uh, Thing. Take a statement of desire containing no negative words and write it out. In this example, they used, I want to fuck Bootsy Collins. I want to fuck Bootsy Collins. Yeah. But no, that's not quite right. Who's Bootsy Collins? Too, I, I have fucking no know. fucking clue. But that no, that's not right. Too vague. I will fuck Bootsy Collins. Yes, that's better. Forceful is good. Eliminate repeat letters. I'll fuck Bootsin. They didn't. In this example, though, I will point out they didn't eliminate the repeat letters because there are three O's and they kept an O in. It would be much smaller than that. So they're already doing it wrong. So, but basically, you take the repeat letters and then you make a artsy sort of interpretation of what's left. So yeah, where they made so like an ASCII image. Yeah, you yeah. make some sort make of make a design. logo out of your desire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Well, this is douchey. Anyway, anything you, that needs a logo is douchey, <laughs> including use, this podcast. You use all the letters left over, make a little picture. This is your seed, if you will. Now, forget all about Bootsy for a while and take your little picture and plant it. There are a variety of ways to do this, and we'll look at some. Number one, gaze at the sigil whilst jerking off or fucking. It will embed when you come. You could great gaze at the sigil and hurt yourself. You could gaze at the sigil and hold your breath till you pass out, which isn't possible, but that's okay. It embeds when your head strikes the altar. Wow, that's <clears throat> hardcore. You could strongly visualize killing someone you hate, then visualize your sigil. You could strongly visualize making someone you love very happy and visualize your sigil. Combine any or all of the above. The more contradictory, the better. And you could also medicate to vacuity when vacuous. Visual, visualize the sigil. What is meditate to vacuity? Just oh, empty mind. Okay. Yeah. Uh, obviously, there are many ways to do this particular magic trick. Just as there Mag- are, it's pronounced magic. Magic trick. <laughs> Just as there are as many rabbits as there are hats to pull them from. The most important bit to keep in mind is make you. Make your sigil non-representative of your desire. Try to forget what the sigil is for, and I recommend destroying your sigil as soon as you plant it. I will also be heretical here and say one should not record their experiments with sigil magic, and if they do, keep the records extremely vague. One good way to do this is to seal the paper used to work up your sigil in an envelope marked with only the date performed. Don't open the envelope for at least six months. Still, I think that... Fast create slash embed slash destroy cycles work best. Okay, so this is this person's for reals. This Which, person is thinking this really works. And well, this is why the idea of Ebola Chan and uh, Pepe the Frog is incorrect. So people are just jerking off to Pe- Pepe the Frog and thinking about him. Yes. Okay. But so the steps they've given here is actually pretty fucking accurate as far as old school chaos magic goes where you create your sigil and you fucking forget about it because it's embedded in your subconscious and the more that you rationalize it the less real it becomes so if ebola chan is the thing she's so indicative of the desire that you inherently rationalize it pepe the frog is so indicative of the desire you rationalize that i don't know i don't see any i don't think of anything when i see that pepe the frog meme it's if you go on 4chan enough, it's like constantly well, very alt-right often. associated. Okay. Like it'll be a picture of Pepe, and then it'll be an alt-right rant. Every time I, th- I, every time I now see the image of Pepe the Frog, I just see Dick Spencer getting punched in the face by that dude with the mask on. That's a good association. That shit is hilarious. <laughs> so maybe because of that, Nazis all over are getting punched in the face by your magic. Yeah, maybe they're fucking up. Yeah, but that's that's what's maybe funny. I'm, I'm is- throwing their magic back at him. Yeah, well, it's, it's funny. It's like this website's totally fucked up because here we have someone with the actual steps to chaos magic and they're doing it wrong. So I don't care how much you think Pepe got Trump voted in. I like that your debunking of this theory has to do with they're doing the magic wrong and not that this is most likely if bullshit. If you want to <laughs> call it chaos magic and blatantly give the actual steps as given in fucking Lieber and Null written in the fucking 70s and then do it incorrectly, you're a bunch of fucking edgelord wannabe assholes. These guys own leather pants, correct? 
and fedoras. If they could afford and them. If they could Le- afford well, them. Well, they're faux leather pants and fedoras. Yeah. <laughs> With a faux leather fedora, they have a pentagram necklace. Yeah, <laughs> no, it, it just it annoys me. It annoys me that they can take something that can be cool and fun, and then they have to like shove some weird, shitty, angsty shit on top of it. It's unnecessary. Well, here's here's something that'll cheer you up. Uh, you believe in what? And this will be our <laughs> finest story for the night. <laughs> Healing crystal dildos are here to make your vagina a magical place. As if they weren't magical enough. Yeah, vaginas inherently magical, for one. How do they work? Uh, healing crystals have been a wellness trend for quite some time now. Crystals get jacked, remember that. Mm-hmm. Uh, with a cult following of people who swear by their therapeutic properties. While some choose to harness the rock's energy in the form of pyramid-shaped j- decor or jewelry, one innovative company has delved into previously untrekked territory, the crystal dildo market. Uh, Chok- Shockrubs, that's the name of the <laughs> company. That's, that's a pretty cute. good name. That's, that's a good cute. Name. Shock Rubs dubs itself the original crystal sex toy company, with all of its products being made from 100% pure crystal. You know, I, get, I think the marketing on that is actually correct. They are the first crystal dildo company. They're, yeah. they're not. Well, I mean, if if you want to do solely crystal dildos. I mean, anything could be a dildo if you want to get into semantics here, Lauren. Okay? Trust People me. have been sticking their crystals inside of themselves for a very long time this now. This cigarette yes. could be a dildo. <laughs> a a really unsatisfying one. Yeah, exactly. Um, all of its products are being made from 100% crystal. Uh, shock rubs uh, derives its name from chakra, the Sanskrit word that describes energy wheels. The company produces handmade dildos made from precious minerals like rose quartz or pure amethyst. Uh, are those are those characters from Steven Universe on purpose? Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that the author watches that show and is like, yeah, oh, I'm, I'm, get, sure I'm getting these dildos. <laughs> all these people are gentlemen. Yeah, all these people Just are like into Jared Steven Universe. What? I can't believe Jared's not commenting on this. It's because he's <laughs> buying the dildos online right now. He's got <laughs> the phone in his hand. His phone out and right he's now. like, Crystal Amethyst. <laughs> well, Rose Quartz, they, the reason for a Rose Quartz or Amethyst Crystal Dildo would be because Rose Quartz is typically used for... Romantic encounters and cleansing. Well, so you have a you have yourself a nice little cleansing. Oh yeah, yeah. we're, yeah. Have, we're about to have a romantic encounter. Um, yeah, and and amethyst is almost purely cleansing. So uh, the best part about these dildos, I like this point. Uh, they practically double as home decor, Woo-hoo! so you can totally avoid the semi awkward moment when a visitor spots your self pleasuring gadget on your bedside. Table. Yeah, true. but now I'm gonna know exactly what that is when I see one. Well, if you have it like. Like, if you just, like, you could build a stand for it. If you just had, like, a crystal stand and you just stick it there so it sticks straight up and then, you know, maybe put some sand around it or whatever and you do, like, a little tiki garden. I think John said he's got it figured out. And Who's going to call you on that? Oh, you should get with these guys, John. Yeah, I could set up, like, camouflage for these guys. Like, I could could come to your house and I could hide your crystal dildo in plain sight. (laughs) These... I, mean, I could make up a good little display for it. I appreciate the fact that they're a company totally dedicated to these things, and they've got like a really cute name and shit. Well, that one's just a flat-out oh, butt plug. plug is legit. Yeah, let's just look at these pictures before we get out of here. I don't want to read this whole story, but uh, yeah, the butt. Yeah, so there's one. There's a butt plug. We they've got, got a, a. We got a banana dick curved one. They've got a yoni egg 
there in, in front of the that butt, butt plug. That butt looks like nothing but a butt plug, though. You can't hide that if someone knows what a butt plug is. That's what it is. Well, also, this- I don't trust one of those egg things without a string. Okay? Mm. Without a retrievement safety device. Yeah. All right? We need also a- known the, as yeah, RTSD. The, the three here on the side, the butt plug, the yoni egg, and the actual shaped dick, that shit is not spiritual at all. No. What? Okay, how are you going to judge what's spiritual and what's not? The, the, the human phallus is a very spiritual thing in some cultures. It's very Lauren. powerful. That might work with some women. <laughs> Go tell your wife that. Go tell her. Uh, you, I'm about you, to take you to see God, baby. <laughs> I don't. I, don't judge my wife on the shape of her dildos, Lauren. Okay. <laughs> it's so funny because this is, but like they're they're marketing this as like this is the first time there's ever been a crystal dildo, and that's simply not true, because New Age stores have been carrying these and calling them crystal wands. For oh really? Fucking okay, ever. but this is the first one that said, "Hey, this is this a dildo. is just a dildo. This yeah. is to put inside you." This is well, no one's ever, no one ever goes. This is to put inside you. Like you go to the, you go to the store, your like little spiritual store, your little witch store or whatever. You go up there. They've got wands made of wood, and then they have the crystal wands, who are all shaped kind of long, like the kind of ins- inconspicuous ones are here on this website. And you'll get a you might get a book to go with it how to use your crystal wand. Oh. Okay. And half of the time it's about reaching spiritual enlightenment by using the wand to empower yourself while fucking it. That's that's normal. Like that's that's a thing. Well, see, we don't all know that. It's it's just like you didn't know that. Oh, those I thought they were glass just roses in convenience stores were actually just crack pipes in disguise. Everyone's got their specialty. <laughs> Mine happens to be what you can shove up your dick and call it spiritual. Shove up your dick. Shove up Hold your on. Yeah, wait a minute. Yeah, we're calling your vagina your dick from now on. Yeah. <laughs> I call it's it that all spiritual time. liege. But uh, no, this has been going on for a long. Yeah, but this is the first company time. to just like cut the bullshit out. Yeah, they they yeah. definitely cut. The Fun bullshit fact: out. crack pipe can also double as a dildo. <laughs> yeah, everything. Ooh, a dildo. double points if you can smoke it while using it. All right, guys, well, uh, check out these uh, healing crystal dildos if uh, you are so inclined. I think they seem like a good idea. I don't know what kind of magic spell you need to make them vibrate, but <laughs> I'm sure. You just gotta use you can your own energy. Yeah, you gotta use your own chakras. All right. Uh, that's it for the show. Thank you guys so much for listening, and uh, please uh, give us a review on iTunes and uh, uh, join our Facebook page. Just like us on Facebook. It's uh, facebook.com backslash mysteriousnesses, and uh, we've got a bunch of cool stuff happening this year. We're going to go uh, search for aliens. We're going to look for a UFO encounter for Lauren's birthday. Yes. And uh, we're also going to try to go ghost hunting at some point this year. So, a lot of fun stuff coming up. If you have any suggestions for stories you'd like us to cover, please suggest them to us. Yeah, send us a message on Facebook or whatever. We'd love to take that.